0: food and beverage magazine live bringing food and beverage to life with your hosts james beard award winner jennifer english and food and beverage magazine publisher michael politz Featuring leaders in the hospitality, branded food and beverage, and CPG industries, many of whom are Jennifer and Michael's friends in the business. For an informal and informative conversation where friends in the business share the latest intel, ideas, and best practices. Live, juicy inside scoop from the tastemakers, newsmakers, bread bakers,
1: drink shakers, spoon lickers, clam diggers, farms, foodies,
0: and friends of the food and beverage magazine world. Here are your hosts,
1: Jennifer English and Michael Politz. What do you think of that?
2: You're lucky I'm not wearing my birthday suit.
1: You're lucky that I'm not doing this for your birthday. I got a birthday cake background for you. I I like that. You do? Let me me move it again. I don't like it that much.
2: I like your kitchen better. But thank you. You do? Yeah. Oh my God, I, a, I
1: can't believe that it's your birthday today. I feel like, I don't know. I just feel like we should be celebrating together.
2: Well, we are. We are together. We are celebrating I together.
1: Mean more. I mean, more. I mean, more celebration. Is that too noisy for you back there? I got a guy painting. Can you hear that? Is it okay?
2: It sounds like rock and roll music.
1: It does? Maybe I should switch to a different, uh, what are those called? What are those things called? What do you call those things, you experts in? A filter? Um, Yeah, it's mixed to a filter. So what is happening for your birthday? Let's hear about your birthday. Well, you
2: know, one of the things I wanted to talk about today was why and how in the hospitality industry, birthdays are the lifeblood of restaurants and hotels and celebrations. Rituals, customs, traditions, those are such important things for birthdays. And invariably, if you're yes. an operator, you will. It will be someone's birthday every day. And Michael, I know you are all bought into this because, well, you have a birthday cake tradition. Talk a little bit about that as an operator.
1: I didn't. Oh, as an operator. Now you're getting putting my operator hat back on. You mean as the operator that created this book?
2: Yes, the Food and of-
1: Beverage Magazine's guide to restaurant success.
2: Yes, the author absolutely.
1: operator of that book. Yes. So what I did, this is pretty exciting. What I did was when I opened up my hamburger, you know, I've been involved in a few things and I love my favorite thing ever was this hamburger business. Right. And we had just little sliders and we had quick, it was called quickie burgers. It didn't, we ended up selling it. And the guy went, you read the book, it'll give you the whole story, but you don't add nachos and wings to a place called quickie burgers. It just doesn't work. So, um, we would, they're like, what can we do for dessert? So I did obviously milkshakes, but I did a black and white kind of thing where I would squirt half the thing with chocolate and dump it in the white and hand it to them. It was less labor. I didn't have to mix it, less cleaning. And people were like, oh, it's so neat. Like they got all excited about black and white, right? Um, but I would only have one of the dessert, right? One other dessert. You know what it was called? It was called birthday cake. And it was literally birthday cake. We would actually have birthday cake. And I'm just going to say this. There is no supplier in the country that could make birthday cake and ship it to you. It is all made at the grocery store. They make them there, right? Like, it's Uh a mess. I had to go to Costco. I had to go here. Finally, I found a baker, right? And he made it for me. And it wasn't as good. You know, I had to have my wife from Cake Boss make it. But more importantly, happy birthday, Jennifer. Okay. Sorry, I had to shoot that out. Um, right, so that's what we did. We sold and we sold birthday cake all day. On all some people, would be like, Can I have the one with the flowers? Can I have the one with this no flower? Like, it was great because then people were like, Give me a birthday cake and dump in the milkshake, right? So it was just like, I must, that's why I'm so fat today. But well, I, I get, was like,
2: Get that birthday, happy birthday screen ready because our first guest today. Is a gentleman who I have known for a very long time. He's one of the pioneers in the hospitality industry. His name is Farmer Lee Jones, and he took his family's multi-generation farm in Huron, Ohio. And he turned Did you say here
1: in Ohio or Huron? Well
2: well, Huron, as well, we'll talk about that. And I want that
1: to be clear. I know it's your birthday, and I'm not trying to bust you out on your birthday.
3: But let's you
2: know, go know. Huron. Thank you. H- not
3: Huron. Just, just don't say you're on Ohio.
2: Yes, the H is silent.
3: Hello, Farmer Lee. Good afternoon.
2: So Farmer Lee Jones is the uh, is the proprietor of the chefs. He's got so many things going on, but the Chef's Garden is one of them. The, the Culinary Vegetable Institute is one of the most influential mm-hmm. organizations in the country. And he was one of the pioneers in growing microgreens and specialty vegetables for the best chefs in the world from his place and shipping them. And he really revolutionized the vegetables and produce industry. He's one of the most extraordinary and generous friends I have in the food business, but that's no surprise because he and I share the same birthday. As we both turn 39 today, we welcome the birthday boy, my twin, my brother from another mother, Farmer Lee Jones, in his distinctive and sartorially splendid overalls and red bow tie. Farmer Lee Jones, how are you?
3: Doing great. Happy birthday.
2: Happy birthday, my love.
1: Who's Kevin Cleveland? He said, happy birthday, Jennifer, and left Lee out. What kind of viewers do we have
2: here? Maybe Kevin didn't know that it was Lee's birthday, too, but now everybody does. Yes. Wow. So, you know,
3: it is a family business, Jennifer. Um, You like that? Happy birthday, Lee. That's for you. I love that. You know, my dad is still out. I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, you know, my dad is still actively involved. My brother, uh, my wife, my son, I have a niece involved. And then the rest of the team um, are really like family to us. There's yeah. um, 150 full-time people on the farm.
2: It's a, uh, it's still a family farm, but it, it has is. a global impact because the top chefs are really influenced and inspired by what you do. You don't just become the purveyor to them in season of the finest organic fruits and vegetables you can possibly produce for them. Uh, you've taken a very collaborative role in helping chefs dream up things as well. Let's go back and tell people the, the beginning of the, the chef's garden story.
3: Well, my dad was in uh, traditional vegetable. We shipped wholesale, and we're in an amazing microclimate. We're right along Lake Erie, and uh, it's, Lake Erie is the shallowest of all the Great Lakes. It's also the warmest. And so it provides a very amazing microclimate. In fact, this area was huge in grapes, in wine grapes, even before Napa Valley. And uh, there were like 330 vegetable growers in this area. If you think about it, we don't have to go back that far in time to think about um, roads and refrigeration had not developed to the point where there was a lot of outside competition. So like 1930s, if you think about this amazing microclimate, with old lake bottom soil. And you've got Cleveland an hour away, Toledo an hour away, Columbus two hours away, Cincinnati, Detroit, all these major metropolitan areas. Outside competition hadn't come because roads and refrigeration had not allowed for Florida or California or Arizona to come in. So these farmers really did quite well. As roads and refrigeration began to improve, one by one, those small family farms went out. My dad was shipping Uh, product about 10 semi-loads a day, every place east of the Mississippi River. Um, You're too young to remember, Jennifer, but um, interest rates in the late 70s, early 80s hit 21%. And um, as a result of that and a very catastrophic hailstorm, I, at 19 years old, stood shoulder to shoulder with my mother and father and brother and sister all of our neighbors, all of our competitors, everybody that was there to celebrate our failure. And they auctioned off every single thing we owned right down to my mother's car and our house. And it's not a rags to riches story, but we crawled away. We were, we were influenced by a European chef. Her name was Iris Balin. And then early, we met Jean-Louis, who turned us on to Danielle and Michel Richard. And a lot of French and European-influenced chefs at the Ritz-Carlton's. And, of course, then Thomas Keller and Charlie Trotter. And, of course, Daniel Ballou was early on. And they took us under their wing. It's really not so much about us, but um, those chefs mentoring us and giving us the privilege of being able to stay in agriculture as a small family farm. And we just are so indebted.
2: Well, Um, let's take it back. What were you growing in those 10 carloads of vegetables that would go to the uh, northeast uh, prior to this uh, financial crisis?
3: um, Sweet corn. My dad owned one of the first 25 sweet corn harvesters in the United States um, in the 70s. Uh, Sweet corn, cabbage, bell peppers, more, I would say, zucchini squash, more like a commodity item. And uh, we sold them by the truckloads, high volume, low margin.
2: When you found this moment, and part of the reason we wanted to have you on today is because you have personal experience in a moment in time that has catastrophic broad impact that requires everyone to reevaluate and what we are all calling pivot. You as a family took your background, your history and reputation, and what little you had left, and you made a pivot. And I wanted you to talk a little bit about the courage you had to summon and the passion you had to redeploy to start from scratch after that moment in time. But this was,
1: he was a young boy. This is his parents as well. Yeah. It's the whole yeah. family. The whole family. Right. And by yeah. the way, the names of the chefs that helped them, that built, that built his career basically, rebuilt their business we have heard the same names over and over with the same stories. These guys deserve some
2: special recognition. And when oh we're saying, gosh. and we're using first names, but it's Jean Louis Paladin, who was one of the pioneering and most beloved chefs anywhere at any time.
3: Did so much for us. Turned us, heard heard Turned us on. Turned us on. John
1: Louis passed away, obviously, and there's been foundation established for him and all the men that like work with him. You know, being in Vegas, we've always had John Louis. I'll get it. I'm to get it, Lee. I get it. Hello, sorry,
2: Hey, okay.
3: my wife wants to know when I'm coming home for the birthday cake.
2: I know, I know. We're keeping you. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, have... are you kidding? I have to have my annual
3: conversation with you, Jennifer. Are you kidding? What a great way so, to but, but
2: again without keeping you too long, I want to make sure it's really clear. The question I think is a really important one. You and your family were part of a moment in time, not unlike the one we find ourselves in as an industry, being called upon to pivot and redeploy your passion. Will you talk about that for us?
3: Well, we're in, we're right in the thick of it again. I have never felt I mean, the first three weeks of this, I was working on adrenaline in March because we're, I mean, every one of those restaurants closed down. Um, But then, I mean, it was in our DNA to farm. I mean, you know, I've seen chefs and heard of chefs that they've lost their restaurants, they've lost everything. And if it's in their DNA to cook, they're going to figure it out. I know a chef that started back over using a garbage can and cooked on top of a garbage can and built the heat in underneath it was in our DNA to farm, and these chefs Ooh, recognized our passion to be able to somehow survive in agriculture, and they took us under the wing, and knew, they knew we were serious. And when they showed us a little direction, because everything in the United States at that time, Earl Butts, Secretary of Agriculture in the United States, his message was, get bigger, get out. Yeah. And it was all about chemical growing to be able to create efficiency. Genetic Farmers in the
2: modification. Genetic and modification. Exactly absolutely. Farming.
3: Absolutely. Farmers are some of the most efficient people in the United States. We produce, as it relates to our income, we produce food cheaper than any other country in the world. But we also have the highest health care. We got dropped from that world. And at the time, as devastating as it was, it gave us an opportunity to rethink what we were doing. So we're looking back at agricultural books from 100, 150 years ago to... Look at how our grandparents were doing a pre-chemical, pre-synthetic fertilizer. And so we've, we've, car- you know, trekked a whole new direction, 350 acres, two thirds of that in any one year is in cover crops of vetch and clover and barley and buckwheat and rye, capturing the sun's energy, rebuilding the soil naturally we, rather than- we,
2: we nourish the soil.
3: Exactly. Right. Right. And they gave us that little window and we latched on and grabbed around both of their ankles and said, teach us. And, and they have, and we are eternally indebted to those chefs and continue to be, and the next generation too. you know. And we talk about Thomas and Charlie and Danielle and John George and John Louis, but there's a whole nother group that are just as passionate about it, and they give us that privilege. Now, we're finally, we're switching to home, home delivery to be able to get the same product to end users that were afraid to go to a grocery store, that wanted to know that there was somebody conscientious growing this, doing it the right way. And we ship nationwide anywhere in the United States from our farm directly to an individual's home, apartment, complex, condo. And we pick it today. We ship it today. They have it tomorrow. It's pretty crazy.
2: We cannot emphasize strongly enough how important it is to have you on the show today because until great restaurants open up again, and I know Danny Meyer is saying he's not going to open up until there's a vaccine. I know some of the most acclaimed chefs and Operators in the world are not going to open up until then some are doing some to go But that's not feasible for everyone and frankly as the cycle of spikes Travels around the country. It was where you all are in the east It's now where we are here in the west. You have to be more careful and we went from a high-touch industry coming at it into a a no-touch time and place And you're making it possible for people to get the very finest Michelin three-star produce to experience in their homes. And I want to make sure people know that you don't have to be a Jean-Louis Paladin or a Thomas Keller to get the best the world has to offer. And if you, like me, have seen some um, diminution in what's being offered at the Whole Foods, or maybe you don't feel comfortable going to your local farmer's market, this really and truly is the very best you can possibly get. Lee, will you talk a little bit about what you're offering now and how important that is to talk seasonally?
3: Well, you know, and I'm just going to, you know, put it out there for every small farmer out there. We're at a really critical juncture right now. There's, you know, there's a vacuum and it's going to be filled. And the large industrialized food is anxious to refill that vacuum. The small farms have had a little bit of a surge early on, but it's so important to keep it sustainable. Um, for every small farm out there, farm market, if you know a farmer in your community, go support that. Uh, those places where you know the where the product is coming from. Um, what and why, my, does
2: that mean, Julie? why does that matter?
3: Because if, if we lose them, then All of the food that we have available is going to be industrially grown. We don't know where it came from. We don't know how it was farmed. We don't know if it's genetically modified, which most of it is it's imperative for butchers and bakers and farmers for us to know where the product is coming from and how it's grown and that there's somebody conscientious on this end doing it right and that the team team members on this farm are being taken care of and paid in a way that their families can follow their dreams i mean it used to be that farmers said do everything you can to preserve the land for future generations it's still imperative but it's also more imperative that we do everything we can so that people can can be able to follow into the farming footsteps because if we don't pay them a wage that's competitive, if we can't give them hospitalization and vacation time and pay them a wage, then the good people go someplace else. Small farms won't exist if we don't continue to support them. We've got to be sustainable to get through this. It's going to be a tough hurdle. My favorite right now is the best of the day. It's like we're walking, if you had a garden and you were walking through it right now to decide what you're going to have for dinner and what looks the best in any given day. Right now we're harvesting amazing English peas. We use a refractometer to test the sugar levels. We pick them right at the highest level of sugar. We plunge them into ice water to shock them to stop those sugar from turning to starch. We're picking beautiful, amazing, delicious sugar snap peas, English peas, snow peas. We're picking baby squash, squash blossoms,
2: nice Ah, lettuces.
3: I mean, squash blossoms squash blossoms that's, what, that's how the farm all started uh zucchini, yellow squash green beans yellow beans
2: lee I, I i want it we michael and i haven't talked about this but i'd like to invite you to do something can you send us one of those boxes and open it with us next absolutely.
3: week where absolutely you come on
2: and you talk us through what we're seeing because one of the things i think needs to happen you used to be really famous and successful because we would see your product on the plate at the restaurants of the biggest names in the business. Yeah,
1: Lee, yeah, Lee, you used to be famous and successful. And now what happened? Wow. happy birthday, <laughs> Lee. Whoa! I mean, good God, Jennifer, what was that?
2: Did, did that sound that bad? I didn't mean for it to. No, I I'm, just, to I'm
1: offended. for Lee. No. I feel I want to I want to coddle but, him in my in my bosoms because I feel so bad for him. Right?
2: He's messing with you. Like I said, I'm not in my birthday suit. Here's the thing. We used to be able to see your product on the chef's plates, and those chefs have closed their doors. Right. You have this great product. We want people to see it and understand how magnificent what you coax. There is magic in what you do.
1: I don't think people understand the magic in the produce until they experience it, right?
2: Because you're on a restaurant
1: you're like, oh, I love this tomato. Or I love, like I went last night to a place. I can tell the difference, right? I Like if you go to eat with Danielle or even Charlie Palmer, right? You go to these guys and you're like, oh, I love, like when you go, you can see the difference, right? Once you taste something like Lee has versus what's in your regular restaurants or whatever it is, it's a
3: world of difference. Right. Right? We're I mean, putting tomatoes in right now. You've got to have a hanky in one hand and a tomato in the other because they're just bursting with flavor. It's like eating candy. Yeah. It's amazing, the I flavor. I think Hu-
1: Hubert Keller once said to me, I don't know if it was Hubert or Danielle, because I remember that I could barely understand what one of them was saying, so it was <laughs> one of them. And I swear that he said, Michael, an heirloom tomato, He's just an ugly tomato. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: right? But it's
2: that, you know, that was
1: that was their big joke, right? It was an ugly yeah. tomato. But the reality is, when it comes from guys like Lee or even like Melissa's, at some point right now, I don't know where they're at, but it's a different product. It's a different product. It's not geo-modified. It's not you know all these things. It's you can mm. taste.
3: You can do. A, you can get a box anywhere in the United States for eighty-nine dollars delivered. Can you believe delivered. that? I can't
1: believe it. You're not going to believe who's waiting in the back room right now, who's in the green room. It's another birthday boy. Hmm. No
3: way.
2: Before we bring him on, I just want to finish with Lee. Lee, I want you to tell people, because there are operators who are being sustained and supported by their communities. And I would like to give them the chance to reach out to you and bring in boxes to their operations to connect because this is something we need to sustain each other. And I want to make sure everybody knows whether you're a civilian and you order it for your home or you're a small restaurant and you're doing to-go service, this is something you have to try. And I'm not overselling this in any way. There's a reason why the greatest chefs in the world have relied on Lee Jones and his chef's garden for decades for the very finest that you can possibly get. Because when you put it on the plate and you put all your love and intention into it, it absolutely shows up. Lee, talk a little bit about how people can order from you.
3: Chefs-garden.com and then go to the home delivery and they can order. And you you can call in. Our sales team is not talking to chefs right now. And frankly, sometimes it's nice to be able to pick up the phone. You can call 800-289-4644. Uh, during the working day and call and talk to somebody and we'll take your order and tell you what looks great. Our people are here because we want them to have their jobs because this is a a family and we're going to stick together and work through this. When you're buying one of these boxes, you're buying one of the healthiest, sexiest, most flavorful boxes of vegetables that exist as, as much as we can do, but you're also buying into the belief that small farms need to exist when we get to the other side of this COVID. And we need you, quite frankly, right now. And we would, we would try and make sure that what we put in that box makes you say, I'm really glad I supported that because it got a great value. Because it's just like the Baker's dozen theory. When somebody gets home, the first thing they do is count to make sure they got 12 ears. We try and make sure you've got 13 ears in every, every box. And we're not Happy putting cord in yet because it's not in season. But thank you for having me on. Happy birthday to you. And, Happy birthday, uh, my love. Just so grateful to see you again. Happy birthday, Lee! It was nice to meet you. My pleasure.
2: Lee, come on with us next week for for fifteen minutes and unbox some veg with us. Because like, we it. really think it's imperative we show people what we're talking about.
3: Sounds fantastic.
1: Jennifer, Let's do it. That sounded like a gy- a gynecology show. Lee, will you come on with us next week and unbox some veg for us? Thanks, <laughs> I appreciate that. What the heck, Jennifer? <laughs> it's your birthday. What's going on here? It's He's not, not cutting you. No. He's not birthday.
3: cutting you any no. slack today, Jennifer.
2: Lee, you need to meet this one guy before you run out of the office. I'd love Wait to. It. The next guest. Mark All right, hold Robert. on. Let me, I,
3: the, don't talk
1: about his name. Let me do something. I know Lee's in a hurry, but hold on. I'm not in a hurry. The, the next guest. There may be actually two guests coming on. But the next guest is my favorite television star ever. Ever. <laughs> when I'm talking about, okay. Yes. He's saying no, but he is. He's like, don't tell anyone. Okay, and his name, are you ready for this? It actually is his birthday today, and I got a phone call earlier, you're not going to believe, from from his cousin, Yogi. And uh, he said, you got to have, Baf- you gotta have Bafo on. You, yes, it's Yogi Bear's cousin, Bafo, and it's his birthday. Here he is. Where hey, is he? Hey, Bafo, hey. where are you?
2: Happy birthday, Bafo.
1: Bafo, Happy we're having birthday. trouble hearing you. Bafo, we can't hear you, Bafo. Bafo, where are you?
2: Bafo's on
1: mute. I don't know where Bafo is. Is Bafo muted? I don't know. But look at Bafo. Wait, he's working. He's working. He's working on it. But look at this guy. Look at the chops on this. Look at the hair. Lee, look at this guy. Look at his (laughs) teeth. This is Bafo the bear knows. Oh, you know what? I don't even see a microphone on Bafo. How about
3: that? Bafo's gone. Well, right, Lee, we'll, we'll happy was your...
2: birthday. Enjoy your cake, and we'll talk next week. I'll talk okay. to you tomorrow.
3: Okay, thank you for having me on. Happy thank birthday. you, Lee. Yep. Bye bye-bye. Bye. I love you. So, Jennifer, I want Bafo back.
1: He's coming back. And in okay. the meantime, give me a second. We've got a break for a commercial break right now. Oh,
2: you that's know, right. You
1: know, you know we have the commercial have break. now. Yes, we do. Here's the commercial.
2: Whether you are thinking about becoming a restaurateur or you are already in the business, Michael Pulitz has written a must read the food and beverage magazines guide to restaurant success. Pick up your copy today at Barnes and Noble, Amazon books, a million or wherever fine books are sold.
1: Wow. I don't don't even know what to say, but wow, because um, that was cool. Hey, I mean, listen,
2: when you were a kid, I and don't it was see your
1: Bafo. Bafo's, hold on, Bafo's backstage, but I don't see a microphone on Bafo. That's the problem I'm having. I think I have Bafo's. Can I, can I put Bafo's best friend back on first? Can I put Bafo's best friend back on first? I need to. Sh- okay, thank you. Let me just tell you before I get started with the best friend for Bafo. He is. Um, we'll get back to your birthday story in a minute. He is the most handsome man in television. He is one of the most famous names in television. He has been the voice. You ready for this? Of, of Jack from Jack in the Box. He has been the. Vo- he is the voice of um, what's his name? Little Jimmy Neutron's dad, Hugh Neutron. He is. Before all that, though, in the nineties, again one of my favorite television stars, on this show right here. I don't know if you've ever seen this. Oh, the star of, oh that's right. The star of studs. I this show is so old, Jen, I couldn't even get a real picture of it. Look at this. This is the best image off of the Internet because there was no such thing as the Internet. Right? But I want to bring on one of my best friends, one of my closest friends, a man that when my agent said, Michael, I want you to talk to this guy, he said, Mark Carlo, and I said, Mark Carlo is a god. And there he is. You were can we right. Can you, Mark? There we go. Hey, we got you. I, Can you hear me?
0: You can hear, hear me, you. right? All right, good. good. How Happy are birthday. you guys? Happy birthday to Jennifer. Happy birthday to birthday.
1: This is my uh, birthday. Uh, how's that, Mark? My I birthday love slide. it. Okay. Yeah, it looks better than the studs photo. I didn't realize you would take you. I didn't realize you and Jennifer had the same birthday.
0: We do. June 23rd. Yep. It's a perfect birthday because all your Christmas presents are broken by now. So you get more presents for your birthday. And then by the time those are broken, eh, Christmas is back. It's really the ideal, ideal. You know, this is not a typical summer, obviously, but normally it's a great time to have a birthday.
2: And so, I, I told the audience that Mark and I were the co-hosts of a show that Mark dreamed up that was from his, uh, His his travel days as a food, uh, a a really passionate food explorer, uh, and and he's the author of a fork on the road.
0: That's right, and And you, yes, yeah, you guys. I've been watching your show; it's
1: quite entertaining.
2: Well, we're trying.
1: Do you think Jennifer gives me enough airtime, or is she hogging the airtime on her birthday? I don't. I, I I don't think she
0: takes enough of it for herself, really. Ooh. I think she's got yeah. a mellifluous voice, and uh, and and there's a big echo. Are you actually in a kitchen, Mike? Are you in a like a closet somewhere?
1: I'm actually. Um, are you you know, Are you breaking the fourth wall right now? What's going on? I am. Well, Jennifer I looks like... like she's at the
0: improv, which I like. With the brick wall, <laughs> is that a is that a real brick wall or is that a background too, Jennifer? Real brick
2: wall, baby. And oh, it's, not just, it's not just a brick wall. These are mud adobe bricks that are traditional to the desert Southwest.
1: Right. The most delicious kind of bricks there are. Mm-hmm. Well, I could always be in the studio. Here I am back in the studio, Mark, and I'll tell you, it's, <laughs> it's rough being in the studio. Occasionally, I like to look at the lake behind me. But, you know, right. I'm, I'm going to hang out in my living room. What can I tell you?
0: Boy, yeah. I, what a rough time for, for food and beverage and hospitality. It's a good yeah. thing you guys are on the air to keep people sane. Uh, is there, is there about a your chef friends. uh, all my chef friends are, you know, doing private parties, sort of kind of doing takeout. It's a bad, bad time. I, I hope yeah. everyone, I, I heard a statistic today that 70%, 75% of mom and pop restaurants are closed and are yeah. not going to open again.
2: And every day we hear more and more saying we're closed permanently you know, an institution, Athens on 4th is close. It, it's just, it's happening everywhere. And I don't know what the impact that's going to have. Mark, you're an actor, you're you're, you're an acclaimed, successful, award-winning actor, Definitely. and voice actor. Uh, you've been in the business a while. You've had lots of success. Actors have been called upon to reinvent themselves regularly. What advice do you have for people about taking this moment in time and Sort of reinventing and reimagining where you're going to take your career because an actor doesn't generally know where they're going to be tomorrow. You may be called upon to do different things. You had to reinvent ways to survive in your craft and your art. What can you share with restaurateurs and and operators from your lessons as an as a very successful actor? Clearly, you know how to pivot. Well, I mean. this
0: is such an unprecedented time. I don't know. I think all the actors that I know are doing some sort of project. You know, they're, they're writing a screenplay or they're doing online readings or, you know, you, creativity people have to be creative. And I think chefs are creative people as well. So I think, you know, maybe you're writing a cookbook right now. Maybe you're refining your menu, or maybe you're figuring out a way to take your, you you know your white linen tablecloth restaurant and turn it into a uh, you know a curbside pickup place i think uh, the good thing is just from the conversations i've had with friends and associates everyone is aware non-restaurant people are aware that the food service industry is is you know going down for the count and as soon as it's possible people are patronizing the restaurants and the joints in their neighborhood and you know flooding them with as much money and attention as possible to kind of keep them afloat. And, and, you know, it's, it's, it cascades. It's the, it's the chefs, it's the back of the house, it's the waiters and waitresses and, and, you know, the, the people that deliver the food and the farmers who grow it. It's a bad, it's a bad scene, but you know what, I'll tell you, there's a good, we just did an interview for another show that I work on with the TikTok grandma who, uh, you, you wear that story this past weekend in Tulsa, Donald Trump and his gang thought they were getting a million people to show up for their rally and 6,200 people showed up because a bunch of kids on TikTok decided to make a bunch of fake reservations for tickets. And this woman was, uh, kind of a, a rallying cry and, and helped those kids organize in that way. And I, and it's a ray of hope to see kids that aren't even old enough to vote to make a positive change in the country. And I think, uh, for the first time in a long time, everyone in America is on the same page at the same time and uh I guess we just got to wait for it to blow over and hope that people can hang on until then i I, I don't know how you know if
1: you're are you we getting t- politico mark are we getting politico i don't I'm not gonna get politico for a man that uh-huh. works for Rupert Murdoch for a man that Rupert Murdoch made your career mark made your career
0: yeah he's uh he's done a number on America as far as I'm concerned, but you hey. know what uh Mark, I, I, I can only get... hope that things come back to the way they were. What?
2: Mark, let me ask you this. You are a acclaimed stand-up comic. You have your roots in se- Second City out of Chicago. Uh, you and your pals, many of whom have, have done some things in New York on different shows. Um, Chicago. You all know the value of laughter. Talk about the value of humor and how to find healthy humor during these troubled times and how important your sense of humor is to your survival and and how important it is to all of us.
0: You know what? Uh if you can't laugh, you can't live. Uh people, you know, is it as important as a successful brain surgery? Probably not. But a li- think about a life without laughter. We've had a taste of it the last couple months and it's it's no good and in the current political climate, it's even harder to yeah. do comedy because everything you say offend someone and everyone thinks they're entitled to never be offended in their life. And I think that's BS. You know what, if I, here's my opinion on comedy and I'm probably wrong, but it's my opinion. You can say whatever you want, as long as it's funny and you're making a honor, honor, uh, uh, an honorable point, right? People talk about all in the family back in the seventies and Archie Bunker was a racist, but that show in its entirety fought racism because it exposed by, you know, by holding up a mirror to Archie Bunker, you see what a pig he was, the character, and it makes people re-examine the way they think and, and how they react. And I think if comedy becomes too overly policed, uh, it'll lose that important well, it has societal connect, edge.
2: It has to also connect us. We have to right. all see the common thread that it touches all of us at the core of its comedy. Hey, um, we should also point out that one of your fellow comedians, uh, Amy Schumer, and her husband, the chef, Chris Fisher, have um, been doing a project in their own home kitchen. They're doing a, a food show while quarantined. Amy Schumer learns to cook, which has had you know terrific ratings, but it's been fun to watch, too. It's hilarious. And it's hilarious. So I want to know, what are you doing in your cu- kitchen during quarantine?
0: Mm. Well, I... I have a Cuban wife and she has been cooking her butt off. Uh, You know, we, we've gone, we've done a deep dive into the freezer and we're getting stuff out of there. We're getting fresh fruit whenever we can. Um, uh, And uh, the Amy Schumer show, I think is really funny because she clearly is completely clueless about cooking as are most people. And uh, I think it's a really refreshing, funny way to blend, you know, kind of like what we did on fork of the road, comedy and food. They're they're both, you know, if you're going to have an entertaining evening, those are part of it. You're going to go out and eat. You're going to see a show. You're going to have some laugh with friends. It's all part of the same uh, enjoyment um, that you could have in a night. And I think more things like that uh, can only help. And really, you know, what else can you do right now? Everyone's stuck in their house. Everyone's in the same boat. And, um, you know, uh, John Krasinski's show, Some Good News, yeah. that's been great. A lot of great things have come out of this uh, forced domicile forced siloing and i think it, it forces people to think out of the box and after after they catch their breath they realize oh it, it's possible that life can go on it's different
2: well and but... we're never going back the good stuff hopefully sticks and we're going to build on top of that it's not they're here now and it's going away
0: right I no it's,
2: yeah, I, think down. it's... I, I don't want this to go away
0: no no you could probably get a better host co-host but other than that are that you still up, here Mark...
1: He's Would still you do him. me a favor? What you tell about all the famous people you know?
0: I we don't have time for that, Michael. <laughs> I mean, if I if I go through my phone and just start listing the, we'll be on till midnight. But well, that's what I I got
2: sure to- that. She gets on her phone, and it's like the she- next thing you know, Danny DeVito's on the phone.
1: Yeah, see that's what pretty- I, I got to watch. That that's pretty amazing. That's no, it's really amazing. it's a
0: funny show, and her husband. Is a bonafide chef, right, Jennifer? I mean, he's- From Martha's
2: Vineyard, no less. Massachusetts, Cape God, where I'm from. Hey, Mark, let's remind Michael of when we did Fork on the Road, how often your famous friends would come and hang out with us.
0: All the time. Mike. not only. She said famous, Mark. We had a lot of famous people on the show, a lot of people of note. Um, uh, You know what? Even though we're better than you, we're all still people. We're all still people. We hire people to put our pants on one leg at a time. We're Great. all the same.
2: It's, we're all see the all same, work, Michael. Jennifer. Yeah, don't this feel
1: 20, bad. 20 years of Mark DiCarlo. I owe <laughs> you a book, by the way, my friend. I have a book for you and Yenny.
2: Show him the book. Yes.
1: I don't have any stand- sitting here. He's, he's going to get it.
0: It's on the side of your mortise there. I can see it. It looks good.
1: Oh, um, yes. Is that a mortise? What is that? My rigor it, oh, oh.
2: there you go
0: now I'm thinking of when is it going to be safe to come back to Vegas are you still in Tucson Jennifer
2: yep well for the moment yes and but I, uh, I can't wait to go back to my to my real home but right now I am quarantined uh, at the uh, old uh, Fort Lowell um, fest- prison for women Fort, mark. There, old it, Fort, Fort Lowell
1: may I finish old Fort Lowell prison for women Mark that's where she's at Yes. Eventually okay. she'll be let out. And so remember movie room.
2: Dances with Wolves, how it was like in the old west, and there's like a fort like F troop out in the middle of nowhere. I uh-huh. am actually quarantined in what I can only describe as the original F troop brig. Oof. Yeah.
0: And you've you've been there since March?
2: Yeah. In this I haven't left the room.
0: Oh my god. I would Literally, go crazy. She hasn't even gone to the
1: restroom. Oh, no, you're holding it in. She uh, actually has one of those butt, one of those things of water like they it, had in the old well, Wild West. In the, in the
2: 1890s, the we call that the chamber pot.
1: Chamber yeah, pot. chamber pot. That's what she's been washing with, the chamber pot.
2: <laughs> and I have, a, I have one of those pitchers, and I put the water in a bowl, and I splash my face. And, but it doesn't matter because <laughs> nobody sees it.
0: Right. That's the thing. I haven't worn <laughs> pants in three months. It's either pajamas or shorts. I haven't put on a belt in three months.
2: That's funny. Which I,
0: I kind of like kind of like you know c- going commando what is vegas like i'd like to come back to vegas but i'm afraid that it's uh, just a petri dish of germs
1: it seems what i've been noticing
2: hasn't vegas yeah. always been a petri dish of pleasure
1: germs so uh, i went to i went to fogo de chow last night right, oh, have you been there name before dropper?
0: i sure have it's it's meat I, on a stick
1: it's meat on a stick and uh Six feet apart, everybody, they don't let you up to the to the uh, salad area. They bring it to you. But in the if you notice in the newspaper, you'll see little pockets of restaurants. This place in the cosmopolitan is closed. They had nine COVID people. This place is closed, that place, little tiny pockets. Wolfgang Puck closed. They had a, a guy that's got COVID. And so they're shutting them down. Left. As soon as they're opening, and by the way, to open a restaurant closed, when well, I didn't know this worked, but I'm surprised I didn't know. You never told me, Mark, me being my mentor. I keep when, some secrets, Mike. When these guys shut restaurants down and then relaunch them, it is a major overhaul. It is a process. They can't even get their systems down. They yeah. can't even get like the systems of order. Nothing is working right. Any restaurant I've been to, and they may be just nervous because I know Jennifer, but their systems are wrong. There's a longer wait. The cooking is that this isn't happening. And it's not because of the COVID. Right. It's because they've, they're out of the. They're out of the game, right? Like this is the guy in baseball. You're out, of, Mark. You can explain that. You're out of the game for so Your
0: long. Your timing's off. Injury, the
2: rhythm is off. Everything. There's no flow. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No. It's and and you know there's no there's no shortcut to coming back. It's going to be like starting from scratch for everybody. And I, the, I think that the saving grace is most rational people understand that and are going to give people a lot more slack than they would have beforehand. I, you know, I've noticed that, um, you know, we go out and we walk the dog and people, neighbors are a little more friendly. Everyone's, you know, we're all checking on each other and making sure everybody's okay. And I think it's, it brings the nicer people together and the, the, the bad people are always going to be bad people and, uh, you know, nothing affects them. And, you know, I could care less about them, but the, I, I really hope, and I, I, I take a lot of, um, a lot of happiness and joy out of this, this TikTok grandma thing that so many kids were able to come together and make a, a protest statement over the weekend. I think it's very empowering. And I think it, uh, it means that kids that are even too young to vote are paying attention to civics and politics and um, all the, you know, I, 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 I have right. f- lots of friends of color and LGBTQ, lot, lots of friends cause I'm in the show business and uh, you know, I, I, I'm colorblind, basically. But I, I realize... But, I, you know, you, you don't realize, you know, uh, uh, a black guy, every day, when he leaves his house, it feels
1: like he's... <laughs> we lost Mark.
2: Like, just like that. Well, listen, we've run Hopefully out
1: of time. What, we've lost Mark. What happened? Oh, here he is. Here he is. Oh.
2: Uh, I, I was
0: just saying, I think... And the whole world has been sensitized to what people of color and people in minority populations have been going through, and I think, you know, if 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 that's a change that sticks, all this trouble and
1: BS will, will be worth it.
2: Yes. Yes. Oh, why did we do
1: that? What happened? What's going I don't on? Know. What's going- Jennifer, what is? We're having technicality difficulties in the show business show. We should call that's this what- the greatest show ever in show business. Right, All you right, should. Mark, we wanted to say happy birthday to you, our close friend. We love you.
2: Happy birthday.
1: I love you guys. Happy birthday, Jennifer.
0: I hope you have a great one in your little brick cell.
2: Listen, in your Mark,
0: brick
3: cell. Mark, your me. hair looks
1: beautiful, by the way. Your hair
0: looks
3: Thank beautiful, Thank you. Mark. It
1: really does. Yeah.
2: Michael, Mike, Mark and I miss co-hosting together. We got to come up with something that we can do again together because I miss working with this guy. He brought out the funny in me.
1: He doesn't want to work with you anymore. He told me you talk too much. That's yeah. not
0: true. We, why don't you bring out the funny in Politz? If, if there's any, is there any funny in you,
1: Mike? <laughs> not anymore. Not Deep anymore. down, you've been beaten by the world. I've been yeah. beaten with a three-year-old. I'm surprised. You know, the three-year-old is exhausting, <laughs> Mark. I know. Exhausted.
0: And imagine, imagine how exhausting it would be if it was actually your biological child. It would be even worse. It would be worse.
2: My you God, you don't I go don't like him, don't even start. I know. He is so this kid. we
1: use show tunes I mean this kid is me it's hysterical
0: I'm giving Kai the benefit of the doubt
1: yeah no one knows about Kai on our show they think that I'm a single bachelor ready to rom. oh blew, really you blew uh, my oh yeah you blew this whole gorgeousness they're like now all the girls are crying tissues for everyone tissues for everyone <laughs> all right Mark I'm going to call you later I love you all right guys have a great show thanks, right, buddy. thanks have, for coming happy birthday Bye-bye. buddy Wow, Jennifer, how did you pull off Mark DiCarlo? How'd you do it? You are a stud. Oh, hey now. Hey. Jennifer, go enjoy your birthday.
2: We love you. I want to say something. How deeply grateful I am for the privilege of getting to be here with you, Michael, every show. And hopefully we're inspiring someone to re-explore what they love about this business
1: or we could be and, inspiring them never to watch live
2: stream. Yeah, it's not, and and I want to say, you know, I am, I am like you, blessed to have a beautiful child. And uh, there was no greater gift in my life on a birthday or any other day. And so I'm going to remind everybody, if you're so lucky, hug your kid and count your blessings on your birthday and every day. And tomorrow, the good mm-hmm. folks from... Truffle Shuffle are taking us. and Michael, you know what we're doing tomorrow? We're going in the kitchen tomorrow. We're actually going to cook live on the show because I'm getting so many comments from people saying, I like this talking head thing, but we want more. So we're going to open up boxes of vegetables. We're going to open up snack boxes from Japan. We're going to go in the kitchen and cook. We're going to make things, taste things, try things, buy things, do things. We're going to make it active. We're going to engage you. We are going to make this all about being actionable because it's not enough to tell you it's out there. We're going to show you, and we're going to taste it together, and we're going to give you the gift of what's best in the pandemic. Did because you notice yesterday? People. What? By
1: the way, yesterday when, you would, when, you, when I full screen people, you would go off and take a bite of a sandwich. Yeah. I would put you back on while you were biting the sandwich. I know. I notice? know. I saw that. I don't know if you noticed
2: that. You know what? I made the best batch of tuna salad I've made my whole life, and I, it was irresistible. What would you put in it? Love. The oh, secret ingredient right. makes everything taste better. And I am on my way to meet the man who makes the magic wands that makes every single thing you cook taste better. Who? Who? Finewoodspoons.com.
1: I love that. Go! I love that. All right, go, Jennifer. Go have a great birthday. Enjoy yourself. I'm so happy it's your birthday. I'm sure we're going to talk a hundred times again today. I love you. We'll see you tomorrow.
2: I love you too. Happy birthday.